G'day again, everyone. Uh, I wasn't here last week. I was uh, preaching up at Bexley North. Uh, and the reason I was doing that is because I, every November, uh, if you've been a part of a, our church for any length of time, you'll know that every November I take the chance to go around all the different congregations and uh, do three things. The first is, I'd like to remind us of what we are on about as God's church here at St George North. That's the first thing. Second thing is I'd like to share something of what God has been doing uh, over the last 12 months right across the parish. Uh, It's just good to stop and give thanks once in a while. And then thirdly, I want to share some plans for the next 12 months. And that's what we're doing today. Uh, So I'm going to pray for us. It's a bit of a different sort of sermon to normal if you're here with us for the first time. Uh, Normally we'd work through a passage of the Bible. We're going to come back to Romans 8 and uh, finish Romans 8 next week. Uh, But today we're going to be jumping around all over the place. You might want to keep that Colossians passage open. We will eventually get there. uh, But the most helpful thing will be your outline. But now I'll lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy it is to be a part of your church family here. We thank you for the way we can meet together week in, week out, to encourage one another from your word, to spur one another on as disciples of Jesus. Uh, And we pray that uh, you will help us to consider again this morning what it means to be your people gathered here, what you would have us do together, uh, and in particular, how we can glorify your name together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, we had our fourth Welcome afternoon tea of the year. Uh, we, have, we have those once every term or so. Uh, and at some of those, we have like 20 new people there. At some, we have three or four. Uh, I love every one of them, though. And I always tell people there that, that they are my highlights of the year, those afternoon teas. Now, sometimes I am prone to exaggeration. You might be surprised to hear that. But, sometimes, but not on that occasion. They are actually some of my favourite times of the year. And they're great, and I love them, firstly and obviously, because we get to welcome new people into our church family. Uh, And that is just always a wonderful thing, to to welcome people into the family here. Uh, But especially that's a joy when they are people who've come to know Jesus for the first time. Uh, Because there is nothing better than that. Uh, That is what we're about, seeing people find salvation in Christ and then come and be a part of, of God's family. The other reason I love those times, though, is because I get to talk about what we're on about as a church. And I am passionate about what we're on about as a church. I'm passionate about a lot of things, but uh, that's one of the things I'm most passionate about. And often afterwards, the old-timers, if you'll excuse that expression if I'm talking about you, uh, the old-timers who are there come up to me and they say, wow, it was just good to be reminded of those key things because just as we go through life, week in, week out, going to church, going to our gospel team, serving in the ways we do, we can just get distracted about what it's all about. I mean, if I get distracted, and I'm, I'm the senior minister, you get distracted. It's just sometimes we forget what it means to be a part of God's church here at St. George North. Uh, and so we have a, a vision statement just to remind us what we're on about. Our vision statement is not groundbreaking. I'm not smart enough to, to come up with one of those, you know, 62-point plans and all that sort of stuff. That's not me. Uh, and our vision statement is not even that specific to Carlton or to Bexley or to Bexley North or, or all the other places we come from. It really just tries to capture what we think the Bible desires for any church. Uh, and so the heart of what God desires for us is that we be on about glorifying God. That's the first thing. Uh, and I want to say to you, that is why you exist if you ever have those, you know, existential crisis moments where you lie in bed at night wondering why am I here, there is the answer to that question. You exist as an individual, first of all, for the glory of God. God made you for his glory. 
Remember all the way back at the start of the year, whenever it was, when we were back in Romans chapter 1 and 2. Remember, we're only up to chapter 8 now, but when we were back in chapters 1 and 2, and he's talking about sin, he says the essence of sin is that human beings do not give God the thanks and the praise and the glory that he deserves. God makes us, and then we don't give him the glory. That's the essence of sin. Well, that tells you the essence of what it is to be a true human being The reason God saves you, the purpose God saves you for, is so that we might be what we're meant to be and designed to to do, which is to praise him, which is to glorify God. But God's glory is not just our individual reason for being. It's really important to understand this because uh, our world is incredibly individualistic. And that sort of leeches in to our form of Christianity, to the, to the way we think of ourselves as Christians. And so many modern Christians have this individualistic view of, of their Christian faith, that it's about them, just them, and their faith in God, and what they do, and they'll glorify God in the ways they choose. That's not the way the Bible envisages it. Uh, it actually says that it's actually by being a part of the people of God that we glorify God. Uh, I want to push it so far to say that you cannot actually glorify God as an individual in your life if you are not a part of his people. Because it's actually of the very essence of what it is to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian, is to be a part of the people of God. God doesn't save us to be individuals out there. Uh, He saves us to be a people for his very own. The reason he calls us together as his family is to bring glory to him. I always love it when I see Christians have what I call like a Copernican revolution. I know very little about science, but but I do know that Copernicus, and someone will correct me afterwards and say actually it was someone else, but the story stands. Copernicus is the guy that discovered that the earth revolves around the sun and not the sun around the earth. Did I get that around the right way? A few people nodded, so that's, that's good. So... I love it when, you, when Christians have that sort of a revolution and sometimes it happens the day they become a Christian and it's wonderful. They just get this. Others, it actually takes years to work out and other Christians seem to forget it and then have to rediscover it. Where we go from living for ourselves and living for our life and living for our job and all, whatever else and sort of fitting God in around our dreams and our hopes and our plans and fitting God's people in around the rest of our life and then we realize I'm not the center God's the center I revolve around God not not the other way around and we we stop thinking of ourselves at the center of the universe and instead we see it's God's glory that matters And, and it's wonderful when you see Christians get that and we realize God and his church that's the center that's the center of my life that's the center of his plans I am made to be a part of that. We are made to glorify God together. And that's why our church exists. In our Old Testament reading before, it'll come up on the screen, uh, Isaiah prophesied about God bringing his people together from every corner of the earth. And this is what he says. He says, Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone called by my name and created for my glory. And when, when he first spoke that word, that was about Israel in the Old Testament, but it was actually looking forward to us, the church. God's plan was to draw sons and daughters together from every corner of the earth for a purpose. We are gathered to glorify God. 
And that, like, just look at how Peter talks about how a Christian should live. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. He says, if anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So that's why we exist. As individuals, you know, when we work, when we play, when we sleep, when we eat, whatever we do, we aim to bring glory to God by both what we do and, and how we do it. But more than that, and most fundamentally, together we bring glory to God in everything we do. Uh, and so, as a church, how do we glorify God? Well, we glorify God by doing the things Jesus wants us to do. And so our mission statement attempts to crystallise the thing God wants us to do for his glory into three areas. I'm going to talk about each of them today. The first is we glorify God by proclaiming Jesus. In the book of 1 Peter, again, we're given this incredible picture of what we are as the church. Look at this picture. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. I call that the great hidden reality of the church. Because we come into church and we look around and we see, well, first of all, we see the empty seats and, and the empty spaces. But then we look at this group of people. There's some impressive people here. I don't want to give anyone a big head, but there's some impressive people here. But most of us are pretty ordinary, aren't we? And we're a pretty ordinary group of people. I like to think we might be 5% better than the average group, but, but, but we're probably not. We're, we're a pretty ordinary group of people. Uh, and more than that, when you come into the church, you can actually see the faults more than other groups you're a part of. And the reason for that is our world, increasingly so, only hangs around with people who are exactly the same as me and agree with me and don't challenge me. Whereas when you come to the church, into the church, you, you are drawn together with people who you disagree with and people who you wouldn't naturally come together with. So we can actually not just see an ordinary group of people, we can see the faults in this ordinary group of people. That's exacerbated online, isn't it? Online, they now curate it so that only opinions you agree with come to you. That's not the church. The church is this sort of messed up, ordinary group of people. And we can look and think of it that way. God looks at it and he says... That is my chosen race. God doesn't think in terms of one race. He says, no, no, no. Anyone gathered as my people, that's my chosen race. That is my royal priesthood. That is my holy nation. That is the people for my possession. God says, this is my most prized possession. The gathered body of Christ, my people, and I have pulled them together for a purpose, for a reason. Look again at those verses, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. See, why has God chosen you and redeemed you? Why has he chosen us, I should say, and redeemed us? It's so that together with everyone else here, we might declare his praises. To put it another way, so that we might glorify God by proclaiming Jesus. That's why we exist. Sometimes I think when we hear that phrase, proclaiming Jesus or declaring his praises, we think only in terms of evangelism. We think only in terms of, of preaching to the world, and I'm going to come to that. But actually, what God wants us to do is just declare his praises to whomever and whoever we come into contact with. The, the Christian and the Christian church is just meant to bubble out 
the praises of God. That's what's meant to happen. It's not that we have this, oh, now's the time to proclaim Jesus. The Christian is just meant to bubble over because we are so excited at the one who has taken us from darkness to light, the one who's taken us from death to life. And so we declare God's praises to each other. What's one of the main reasons we meet week in, week out? It's to declare God's praises to one another, to remind one another of what we believe as we say things together, as we, we sing together, as we talk to one another. We actually declare God's praises to God. It's one of the things God wants us to do. When we sing, we're singing to one another, reminding one another of the truths of the gospel. We're also singing and praising God. We're declaring his glory. When we talk, that's what we do. But as I say, most importantly... We declare God's praises to our world. We, we proclaim Jesus to the world. We tell anyone who will listen what God has done for us in Jesus. At the big day out earlier in the year, uh, you remember the big day out? It seems, it seems like an eternity ago, but it was only back in March. At the big day out earlier in the year, uh, I shared how amazing 2022 was. Do you remember that? I shared about how in 2022 we had the most people we'd ever seen, at least in my 20 years, uh, the most people we had ever seen come who, who don't know Jesus or don't yet follow Jesus come and hear about Jesus through the life course. I said we had 64 guests come over the course of the year. And we actually met a couple of them who, who became Christians. You remember there's a picture here of we were interviewing a couple of people. Uh, in fact, uh, there's Emily, Emily Samsarian, who's known to many of us, and it's sharing the story of how she uh, invited her friend along from netball and her friend then became a Christian. It was just a wonderful story. And we heard lots of stories like that. Uh, well, I sort of thought, as I was sort of preparing the ministry team for, for thinking about next year, I sort of thought, oh, this year hasn't been as exciting. So, so a couple of weeks ago, I said to Avril, and I was just trying to prepare her that, hey, everything's not always as good as the year before. And I said, you know, this year's still been encouraging, Avril, even though not as many people have come to the life course. And Avril gave me that look Avril gives me at least once a week, which is, why is Phil saying something so stupid, so, sort, of, sort of look. Uh, and she said, what are you talking about? This year there's been over 70 guests come and hear the gospel through the life course. And that was one week into the current life course that's running that's been going for three weeks since then. I, don't, I haven't asked Avril how many more people have come. Uh, isn't that wonderful? 70 people. You're allowed to say an amen or a praise God there. Don't be English Anglicans at this point. You, you know. Uh, how good is that? 70 people have come and heard the good news about Jesus. They, it's up to them then and how they respond and God's work in them, but, but 70 people have come and heard the gospel clearly explain. The other reason I'm so excited about that is that's actually a real sign of the health of our church. Uh, you see that people are praying about people they can talk about Jesus with. People are, are, are actually looking for opportunities to, to share Jesus. So I want to encourage you to keep that zeal for proclaiming Jesus. I'm going to come back to growing disciples because I want to finish there. The third part of our vision, though, is that we would be serving together. Uh, the, the, the verse I read out at every welcome afternoon tea is this one. It's Mark 10, 45. It says, For even the Son of Man, that is uh, uh, what Jesus called himself, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And I read that verse out every time for two reasons. The first is that captures the essence of what we're on about, that verse. It captures the heart of the message we preach and that we want any person who comes into our church to hear loud and clear that truth that God sent his son into the world to die for our sins, 
to pay the ransom price, to pay the penalty we deserve. That is the gospel. That, that is the message that we believe and the message we preach. The second reason, though, that I choose that verse is that it captures what we want to be as Christians better than any other verse, I think. It captures what we want to be as a church. The very essence of walking in Jesus' footsteps, the very essence of being a disciple of Jesus is to serve, to serve Jesus and to serve others. I praise God for the service culture in our church. Uh, it's been great this year to see lots of people joining in serving a ministry team because coming out of COVID, I think many in our congregation here, in the morning congregation in general, had sort of got out of the habit, hadn't got back into the habit of working out how to serve. Uh, and so this year we've been working really hard at raising up some serving teams together and Jana and Kevin have been putting a lot of effort into that. And I just praise God for the number of people who perhaps haven't been serving, who've stepped up and served. Uh, Praise God for that. But I just want to remind us all, God has given you gifts. And God wants you to use them, whatever your gifts are. God wants you to use them for his glory. And he wants you to use them in sacrificial ways where, where you take time to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ and serve amongst God's people. So talk to, talk to Avril, talk to me, talk to Troy uh, about how you can be a servant here in your church and out in the world for that matter. Not just in here, but out there. I, just want, I, I thought of what are some of the great examples I've seen in recent times of that. I could give you the same ones I give all the time, which is if you come to our 6.30 church, where there's about 150 mainly young people, nearly every one of them serves teaching children, teaching youth, teaching... That, and you see them here in their red shirts on a, on a Sunday morning. I can give you that. That, that always blows my mind. I, I don't think there is a congregation in Christendom I am known for exaggeration, but I don't think there is a congregation I know where everyone serves like that congregation. It's quite incredible. So I could do that. But actually, I had a great example I saw on Friday night. And I'm going to embarrass some people who are here in this room, but I'm not going to name them. I'm just going to leave them to be embarrassed anonymously. Uh, I had the opportunity to come and speak at Snack Youth on Friday night. That is a rare thing because Sophie is still at Snack Youth and... Uh, I think she talks to Brendan about me not being invited. I don't know. There's a conspiracy there. But I got to come and speak at, uh, at Snack Youth on Friday night. And after I'd spoken, I went outside and I went over to the, the new kitchen, by the way. How good is the new kitchen? It was its first use. And praise God for the work of people like Helene and our wards of Paris Council who've done a lot of work on that. But I went over there and there were six non-youth leader adults uh, six non-youth leader adults, several of them whose kids are no longer in youth group, okay? And they were there doing the cleaning and doing the packing up and doing the supper so that the youth leaders can meet with the teenagers and disciple them and aren't distracted by having to do all the logistics. So these are people who've worked all week and then they come on a Friday night, they think, rather than turn on the TV, they say, no, I'll just stick at it for another couple of hours, I'll come up and serve at Snack Youth, so the youth leaders can be teaching the Bible to the kids and not be worried about cooking sausage rolls and all that sort of thing. I did have one word for them. I, miss, I seem to miss the supper, but anyway, they can improve their service in that way next time I'm there. But my point, isn't that what it's all about? I, I think that is quintessential what we want for St George North, is people who give of themselves to serve in all sorts of various ways, and I could name hundreds of others. Well, the final part of our mission 
is that we glorify God by growing disciples. Normally, when we talk about this, uh, it's rightly other person focused. How can I be a part of what our church does, growing disciples? But I want to focus a little differently today, and I want to ask you a really simple question, uh, which is, are you yourself growing as a disciple of Jesus? You see, at its heart, what we want to see is every individual member of our church growing as a disciple of Jesus. What we want to see is you, yourself, growing as a disciple of Jesus. And that's what I want to focus on now. Do you remember a couple of years ago, we, we filled in the, end, the National Church Life Survey? Do you remember we filled that in, those, those, those surveys? Unfortunately, it was right in the middle of COVID, which didn't make it the most useful survey about church life and so forth. Uh, but uh, we had around 400 surveys filled in, which is a good percentage of the people right across the parish, by no means all, but a great number. Uh, and uh, there was a question in there, have you grown as a Christian? Uh, normally, I am an optimist. Normally, I, I, uh, I look for the positives in, in everything. I'm, I very rarely get discouraged, and I didn't get discouraged by that because they, they have your church's answers, and then they have other churches across Australia, and then they have other churches in the Diocese of Sydney. And the number of people at St George North who said, I have grown as a Christian over the last 12 months, was much, much higher than, than other churches, the average for other churches, and the average for other Anglican churches and all those sort of things. And so for a moment I was like, how good is that? And then I thought, but hang on, it's not 100%. It's, it's actually a bit below, more than a bit below 100%, that actually not 100% of the people who are a part of St George North can say they've grown as a disciple of Jesus, grown as a Christian over the last 12 months. And for the one time in my life I was a pessimist. Well, I thought, that's really sad. And, and so I want to ask every one of us a question. What steps are you going to take to grow as a disciple of Jesus in 2024? I want you to get practical. What steps are you going to take to grow as a disciple of Jesus in 2024? I was looking back over this year, and I think my highlight was the number of people who did the 40-day habit challenge. Just who did the 40-day habit challenge in one of its iterations over, over time? That's That's wonderful. Uh, hundreds of people across the parish, across all the different congregations, who, who took the chance to try to grow healthy, regular patterns of Bible reading and prayer. Uh, what I really loved, though, was the number of conversations I had a couple of months after that finished, where people said to me, I'm still praying more than I did before I did that. I'm still reading the Bible more than I did before that, it wasn't just for that 40 days. I'm actually now, I've got good habits of reading the Bible and of praying. Uh, why is that so exciting? It's because that's how we grow. As we read the scriptures, as we devote ourselves to prayer, and as we meet together and encourage one another, that's how we grow as Christians. And that's why everything we do as a church is about those three things getting people into the scriptures, teaching people to pray, encouraging people to pray, and meeting together in encouraging true fellowship where we spur one another on as disciples of Jesus. And here's the thing I want to stress on that today. God's desire for you, and so our desire for each other as a church family, is that you would grow in your faith, grow in your knowledge of Jesus, grow in your love for one another. Sadly, I think too many Christians, after a while, stagnate. I think it's really common to hit these periods where we actually just stagnate 
as a Christian. We get to a certain point where, if I can say this, we just sort of muddle along as, as a Christian and we actually stop growing as a disciple of Jesus. And what's really sad is we sort of get accepting of that. We get, we're, we're not that upset about that. We just sort of think it's normal. I used to be more zealous. Not anymore. Now I just sort of muddle along. And so I want to challenge every one of us today to think honestly, are you growing as a disciple of Jesus? And then if you're not, what are you actually going to do about it? What are you going to change to grow? And if you are growing, how are you going to keep growing? Uh, Look at what Paul prays for the Christians in Colossae. We're finally getting to our Bible reading from this morning, right at the end of the talk. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, We haven't stopped praying for you. And what's he been praying? We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. There in those verses is what God wants for you. Uh, God wants you to grow in your knowledge of him. He wants you to grow in wisdom and understanding. And he wants you to grow so that you live a life worthy of the Lord. Uh, That is what God wants for you. The only question is, is that what you want for you? Or what I want for me? Do you remember we looked at that book, The Generosity Project, in our gospel teams earlier in the year? One of the reasons I got us to look at at that book together uh, is it's really well done because it doesn't let you just sit with good intentions It actually pushes you, when we we studied that in our gospel team, it pushed us to actually ask questions about, well, what are you going to do to be more generous? You know, some of us thought, well, actually, I should open up my home more. I should be more hospitable. I should give more of my time. I should be more generous with my money. And that is so helpful because I think most Christians have a vague, positive desire to grow as a disciple of Jesus, but then make no real intentions or plans to do it. See, no Christian would say, if I asked them, do you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus? No one would say, no. And if you do, there's a bigger problem. (laughs) Come to the life course, if if that's you. The question then is, well, how? How are you going to grow as a disciple of Jesus next year? Uh, Now, in the end, how you grow as a Christian is actually very simple. The three helps God gives us are his word, prayer, and fellowship. So I want us to think about those three things. I want you to think, how am I going to grow next year? How am I I going to get into the Bible more? What steps am I going to take to get into the Bible more? How am I going to pray more? What what steps am I going to take to to, to make sure I'm praying more? How how am I, maybe you could make a decision now to set up some daily habits of Bible reading and prayer. How am I going at being devoted to the fellowship of God's people? Have I let myself drift into I call it the modern Christian sin. I think it's the prevailing sin of the modern evangelical church, which is to not value the fellowship of God's people enough. How am I going at actually being an integrated, integral part, locked in to the fellowship of God's people? Am I I fitting the church gathering in around my life rather than fitting my life in around my church family? You know, what do I need to change to make fellowship the central part of my life it's meant to be? Are there specific areas in my life that I really need to deal with? Are there sins in my life? Do I need to deal with the anger in my life? Do I need need to grow in thankfulness? 
Do, do I need to grow in servant-heartedness? Remember that series we had earlier in the year about respectable sins? Are there, are there sins that you just leave undealt with in your life? I could go on and on, but I just want to ask every person at St George North to answer that question. What steps do you need to take to grow as a disciple of Jesus in the next 12 months? And I want to challenge each one of us to actually have a plan. Now, I'm going to pause now. I'm going to stand here for a minute which let me tell you is a really long time when you're standing up here in front of everyone. And I want to ask you to sit quietly. I don't want you to talk to anyone. I just want you to sit quietly and maybe write down a couple of things. You think, I'm going to, these are some steps I'm going to take. These are some things I'm going to do in 2024. You might put them into your phone. Uh, you, might, you might have a better memory than me and be able to keep them in your brain. But I want everyone to do that on their own just now for one minute. Now, uh, I want to take the chance to uh, just let you know a couple of uh, things to be thinking about as we head into next year, uh, a couple of things to be praying about, a couple of things to be excited about. So I've got four things. Uh, the first I want to talk about is generosity. Uh, at the Big Day Out, we should have a heading there somewhere. There it is. Uh, at the Big Day Out earlier in the year, we shared about just how much our giving needed to increase to fund the things we decided uh, under God to do together uh, and I just want to encourage you today the response across the parish has been miraculous and I'm not using that word in a in a spurious way I, I really mean it uh, do, you, do you remember when Don Grant one of our church wardens where's Don there he is got up here earlier in the year and uh, back in April or May and shared how we had a $30,000 shortfall up to the year to that point uh, and since then we didn't just wipe out that shortfall we have met our budget every month since then. Isn't that amazing? Don't ever forget, uh, money is a spiritual thing. How people use their money is a reflection of, of the state of our heart. Uh, and I never stop giving praise to God for the generosity of his people here at St George North. And to be frank, I just wanted one of these talks, one year, to be able to get up and not say, now we've got a shortfall, we've got to meet by Christmas, or to just be able to get up and say, praise God, and how good's that? Let's keep being generous. And so I just want to Praise God for the generosity of his people. Uh, but of course, as we approach next year, uh, and especially as we look to put on a new staff person after the Conings have come and joined us uh, next year, we'll be looking to expand. And so uh, please be continuing to pray about your generosity. Second thing I want to talk about is the big day out in 2024. I talked about the big day out in 2023 a little while ago. Now I'm talking about the big day out in 2024. Uh, you should have a flyer inside your weekly snack that you can, uh, you can take out. Now I know I am biased in this regard, uh, but I'm not being silly when I say this. I think something wonderful happened last year at the big day out. Uh, just one of those wonderful days that, that sometimes happen. I don't know if it was the first, because it was the first after COVID. Uh, I don't know if it was because so many new people had joined us in the three years since we'd last had uh, a big day out. I don't think it was the preaching, but you might think differently. Uh, I think it actually had a lot to do with hearing all those wonderful testimonies from different people and different groups uh, who had come to know Christ or grown as disciples of Jesus. And uh, I think that's what it was. But so many people have shared that that really was one of the most encouraging days in so long. In fact, at the end of the day, I had a number of people in tears with me uh, just uh, over some of the things that were shared. Uh, and if you were there, you will know that. Uh, you will know how wonderful it was and what an encouragement it was. If you weren't, and again, I'm not being silly, I'm actually just really sad for you because you, you missed out on something wonderful. Uh, here's a few highlights of the day or in the year. The singing was wonderful. Uh, we go on to the next one. 
How good to have all those people, some fine-looking people there, James, Flavin, uh, you know. Uh, how good to have all those people together in one place. We had about 500 people, adults and children, there at the big day out. Uh, if we go on to the next one, how good was the food? The food was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so much so that one of the children's leaders who came to help us from another church for the day to look after the children's activities came to me afterwards and said, can I join your church? Because our, our church never has food like this. So there you go. And there's just a picture to remind you of how wonderful it is when all our congregations come together for that one day. So for those of you who don't know, the big day out is when all of St. George North, across all of our six congregations, come together to encourage one another with what God has done, what God is doing right across the parish. Next year, we have Simon Manchester coming to do our Bible talks from the book of Haggai in the Old Testament. You know, Simon has had a great preaching ministry at St. Thomas's North Sydney for many, many years. He's going to come and share with us, but we're also going to hear all sorts of wonderful stories. And so that is Saturday, the 23rd of March. Uh, and the details are there, and you can sign up from today using the link or, God willing, using the QR code, uh, and hopefully it works. And I just want to stress this, that day is such a key part of our church life. Please don't miss it for anything. Uh, uh, really, if you're a part of St George North, we meet each week in our church gathering, we meet in our gospel teams during the week, but then that one other day of the year that is on a par with those two things is the big day out. And I want to encourage you, make that a priority to come and celebrate our fellowship. So sign up from today. Uh, next thing, third thing, just very briefly, it wouldn't be one of these updates over the last few years if I didn't fill you in on the Bexley Building Project. Uh, and uh, for those who don't know, we have three buildings uh, sites here at St George North. We have thriving ministries here at Carlton and at Bexley North. But Bexley is a very decrepit, run-down site, and we've been looking to to uh, build a new centre there. Uh, and uh, but it's hit some roadblocks. I've got some really good news and some slightly less good news, uh, or less not good news. Anyway, first of all, the good news is all the council approvals have now been received. It only took them two years, but there you go. All the council approvals have been received, which is wonderful. Praise God. As I say, the slightly less good news is over that time and over COVID since we first started, the financial feasibility has got harder and harder as building costs have doubled, basically, uh, over that time. Uh, and the project is really now dependent on a government grant for the childcare part of that project. I didn't know this, but apparently governments throw money at you if you open preschools. And uh, part of our building project is to build up one of the halls as a preschool. Uh, and so the project's feasibility is dependent on us getting that grant. And we're hearing about that in the next week or so. And so I want to ask you to please devote yourselves to prayer uh, for, that, for receiving that grant to make the project feasible. Uh, and why is it so important? Uh, humanly speaking, uh, it's vital, that building project, for the growth of our parish. There are only so many services we can run at Carlton in the build size of building we have and at Bexley North in the size of the building we have. Uh, and frankly, we have outgrown this site because it's on a suburban block without parking and so forth. And when the sheer number of people that come through on a Sunday, we need another place to plan into. So please be praying about that. Fourthly and finally... I just want to talk about growing the gospel beyond St. George North. Uh, one of the things that brings me the greatest joy, strangely, is sending people out from our church. Uh, as hard as it is, it's incredible when we get to send people out to do gospel work in other places. Uh, I've been here, as I said before, for about 20 years, and we have seen so many people go out from St. George North, go to more college, 
be trained for ministry here in Sydney or other places, in particular to be sent on overseas mission. Uh, and I'm really excited that we're continuing to do that. So I've already shared about the Koning family. We've been sharing about that for the last few weeks. They're joining us in about two weeks' time from France. So please be ready to welcome them uh, and include them in the life of the church. They're coming to be trained and equipped for us to then send them back to plant a church in France. So, uh, but you've heard a lot about that. But I just want to remind you of how wonderful it is that Lama, if we've got our next photo, uh, Lama uh, is being sent with CMS. So Lama has been down being trained in Melbourne uh, many of you know Lama because he's taught your youth in, in youth group or in other ministries. He's been part of our Bexley North ministry for a long time. But uh, in January, Lama's coming back from Melbourne. He's going to be visiting us for a little bit. He's going to be at the big day out, and then we're sending him to Southeast Asia as a CMS missionary. Uh, and as sad as that is that we lose Lama, isn't that just the greatest joy to, to partner with him? And so I want to invite you now to be praying about how you can partner with him how you can be financially supporting mission, how you can be praying for him. I don't want to give you a big head, uh, but uh, mission organisations tell me uh, there has not been a church per capita that has sent more people to the mission field in the last 15 years than St George North. Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? Praise God for that. You're thinking about the Turners. Some of you, some of you don't even remember the Turners because they're now back in Australia. The Turners we sent to Tanzania, the, the McDowells to Paraguay, the Newbies to, to the Philippines, the Blousers to Argentina, now Lama. Uh, and that, that's not even including people like Gladwin and Lish, who we, we send to work in, in uh, India. And uh, people who you might even have a vague memory of who work all over Australia in all sorts of ministries and churches who've come through our church. Or someone like Ryan, who you might remember, who uh, we've sent to South Africa and who's doing great work there in, in Durban. Ryan's going to be coming visiting us in a couple of weeks, so look out for him. Uh, but I just want to say to you, as hard as it is to send, isn't it something to praise God for? Uh, finally, something we're really passionate about is training up young people to equip them for ministry through MTS or a ministry apprenticeship. Uh, in fact, Lama's brother, Natani, is another one we've sent out. Lama did MTS, went to Bokoi, now works as an assistant minister at West Ride. Well, Emily Brown, if we go to our next picture, you all know Emily does so much in children's ministry. Emily is finishing up MTS this year. She's going to Moore College. So uh, praise God for Emily uh, and uh, be praying for her. But she's going to stay with us for another year as a student minister, so you don't have to say goodbye to Emily. But also be praying for Andrea, whose photo's coming up. Andrea, now the reason I love telling you about Andrea is Andrea became a Christian by being invited to Snack Youth many years ago. Since then, became a Christian, grew as a Christian, has been a youth leader for a number of years, and now Andrew is thinking, maybe I should actually think about full-time gospel ministry. And so she's going to do an MTS apprenticeship next year. So I want you to be praying for Andrea as she starts MTS, encouraging her, uh, as well as continuing to give to support uh, doing what we do. That's enough from me. I've talked too much. Uh, I hope you're excited about all those things. God is good. God's gospel is powerful at work. Do not believe the papers that tell you uh, that uh, the gospel is dead. The gospel is powerfully at work. It will continue to grow God's church. And my prayer is every one of us will be a part of that work in our own ways next year.